Welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I don't know about you, please please don't answer out loud in the next few moments because I just don't want you to damage my ego in any way. Um, But I find social media really positive and powerful. It's probably because of the people I follow and the people I don't follow. It's probably because of how quickly I unfriend and block certain people. That's probably why my experience is like that. But I find it really positive. And sometimes you get some really insightful posts from social media. And I'd like to read one to you today because it is kind of where I'm going. Is that right? Uh, Too bad I got the microphone. I'm going to do it. Here's an insightful one for you. Uh, Doctors don't make you healthy. Teachers don't make you learn. Trainers don't make you fit. And coaches don't make you rich. The person who tagged me added, and pastors don't make you holy. (laughs) At some point, you have to realise your growth is your responsibility. Go, wow, how good is social media? (laughs) At some point. You've got to get to a place in life where you realise if I want growth, it's actually up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. These other people can help and support and encourage, but actually if I'm going to do it, it's up to me. Turn your name and say, go do it yourself. (laughs) Now, even though I've said that, it's, it's true that as followers of Christ and as disciples, there are a number of vital relationships that we need to kind of intentionally seek out so that we can secure and reach our full potential in God, don't you think? So, you know, I think it's really important to have someone you look up to in God. And for many of us, that's a pastor. And for some of us that have gone next level, we've gone to spiritual father. Because a pastor tends to encourage and nurture and just keep encouraging and nurturing. But when you go next level, you get to a place where a spiritual father doesn't just do the encouraging, he's ready to correct. He's ready to direct. He's kind of ready to have the awkward, tough conversations. The come to Jesus meetings where you just got to put it all on the table and go, you know what? Stop sucking. Suck it in. Oh, that didn't go down too well. But that one, you don't all have to go there, but I like to go there because that's where I want to be in God. We need someone to look up to, but we also need people to look across to. We need those that can encourage us, a connect group leader, a connect group member that we can look across to, kind of a peer that we can just do life with. We need someone to look out for. Can't just live this life only looking out for ourselves. We need to be looking out for somebody else. And I think it's also powerful to have someone that we want to lift up. That's why over the years, my wife and I have consistently uh, sponsored people overseas, both through formal kind of things like compassion. I love our compassion children, but also in informal ways with just direct relationships that we have. I think it's always good for us to get to a place in our walk with God where we're not just looking up to somebody and across to someone, but we're also looking out for people and just at least helping one person, lifting someone up to a better place of life, don't you think? Um, I'm normally the guy that's not very compassionate, believe it or not. Uh, we're driving down the road the other day and, and, and Carolyn sees some individual walking down the road and she turns to me and goes, oh, he's so cold. I'm thinking... So what? <laughs> like honestly, you said, okay, I'm I kind of went. He knew it was gonna be cold tonight. <laughs> he could have put an extra jacket on. 
And I'm having this conversation with myself, not saying anything, and she, she, she continues, oh, maybe we should go back and pick him up. And then, why? <laughs> and then, as I said that, like conviction came. And I drove home. Uh, <laughs> I said, that's what happened, but at least something started on the inside. <laughs> like, Compassion crept in, Crystal, it got in there. And I felt challenged all the way home. Come on, relax, let me off the hook with you. They were going to the bus stop. They were going to be on the bus in a few minutes. It would have been okay, all right? Just, golly, I thought Christians didn't judge people. Well, I'm their pastor. Let's go to the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's get started there. I want to talk to you about this whole thought of soul food and seven faith supplements that the Bible speaks about that you need to add to your faith. Because often people think once you've found faith, you've got it all, but that's not what the Bible says. And as we're kind of doing this study, I wanna have a look at the reality that the Bible says that there are supplements, seven of them. And when you study numbers in, in Scripture, you find out that's complete. There's a complete set of supplements that you need to add to your faith. And if you do that, the Bible says you'll be fruitful and active. In fact, the Bible says if you don't add these things to your faith, you'll be inactive and fruitless. And so when you look at what Jesus said about the fact that we bring glory to God by bearing much fruit, these supplements that you add to your faith are key for you being fruitful and active in the Kingdom. Are you ready? As a baseline, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible just to make sure you can hear it today. And it says, Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the Word of Truth. I wanted to start here this morning because I think it's important to be reminded about study of the Word of God and why we study the Bible. We don't study it so we can be religious fruitcakes. We don't study it so that we get oversaved. Have you ever met an oversaved person, the type of person that doesn't put a doona on their bed because the Holy Spirit is their comforter? The, the type of person who, who doesn't turn their lights on on their car at night time because Jesus is the light of the world. Have you ever met one of those, if the one sitting next to him, just give him. <laughs> I want to just have a look at the reality of why we study the Word of God and what it does for us. And, and to replace the word study with investigate is something I'm going to do just for the moment because I think it'll help us. I think we need to go on an investigative journey in the Word of God. When I first came to Christ and kind of all the encounter and the experience and the emotion, once it was all over, I started to doubt some things and question some things. And as a result, it made me investigate the Word of God for myself to see if what was being preached and taught was true. And then once I finished that, I had some friends that were in other faiths and they would challenge that and I'd have a look at theirs also. And I got to the end of all my study and investigation and found out I'm serving the one true God, that this Bible that I hold in my hand is the Word of God, that it can change and transform lives if I apply it to my life. It's kind of like soap. There is no lack of soap in the world, but there's a bunch of dirty people. And they're only dirty because they haven't applied the soap to their lives. And 
And so just a regular cycle of, you know, washing once a month is is gonna it's kind of gonna be hit and miss if we're gonna show up on the day when you've had that shower. But if you do it every day, you're gonna be nice to be around, right? And so when we look at this whole thing about study of the Word of God, we we need to realise that true religion, the Bible speaks of a true religion and true religion manifests in this way that revelation moves into application, that you begin to apply the Word to your life and it transforms everything. I'd say this, investigation, study of the Word of God will cause meditation. You just keep thinking about that thing that one thing that you had in devotion in the morning and meditation will cause revelation. And I think sometimes the super spiritual people have got stuck on the whole purpose of Bible study is revelation. But I wanna tell you, the purpose of Bible study is not revelation, it's part of the process, but revelation must move to application. And when application takes place, you will experience transformation. And so that's why we do what we do in terms of study of the Word. With that in mind, 2 Peter chapter 1, reading from verse 1. Are you ready? This is what it says. This letter is from Simeon Peter, a loving servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to those who have been given a faith as equally precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. May grace and perfect peace cascade over you. One translation says, be multiplied as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of goodness. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So, everybody say so. Oh, that was half of you. Let's say so. So devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness, add understanding. And add to understanding, add strength. To strength, sorry, the strength of self-control. And to self-control, add patient endurance. And to patient endurance add godliness and to godliness add mercy toward your brothers and sisters and to mercy toward others add unending love. There are seven supplements to faith here that give us a clear message. Actually, today I really wanna talk about one, but can I just mention the seven to you? The first one that shows up is goodness. It's actually moral goodness. It's a morally excellent course of thought feeling and action. That moral excellence must go beyond thought. It must move and impact our feelings and it must not just stop at feelings and become action. And so when we add to our faith goodness, we're we're actually adding to our faith moral goodness. We've got good morals. To goodness add understanding. And when you look at the word understanding, it actually means deeper and enlarged knowledge of this religion, 
Now I know in our circles, in our Christian circles, I was working with a guy this week, I love him. Bob the Builder is his name, literally. And we're having a conversation. He asked me what I did and then subject came up. So I wanted to lie because I didn't really want to do people at that time, but I didn't lie. I was convicted. I told the truth. I said, I'm pastor. That led to all the other questions. And in the end, we had this great conversation. But I know in these circles, often in our brand of Christianity, as he referred to, as Bob referred to as my brand of Christianity, what is your brand of Christianity? It's often referred to as a religion and as negative, but the Bible speaks about a true religion. And here this word understanding means that we must become deeper informed about our own religion, that we must expand our knowledge. See, it's one thing that you have saving faith, but if you want to move from just saving faith to sanctifying faith, each one of us has to take up our responsibility to expand and have a deeper understanding of our own religion. To understanding as self-control, this is a kicker. You're going to love this one, self-control. What does it mean to have self-control? It means to have mastery of desires and passions. But when you study it, you find out especially sensual appetites. Oh, that sounds like it's going to get juicy. Oh gosh, you're all a little bit, you're a little bit stiff today, hey? A little bit. I just love the, the fact that the Bible doesn't hold back from any subject. It said, add to goodness, understanding, add to understanding, self-control and in the footnotes, especially to your sensual appetites. To self-control, add patient endurance, which is about a deliberate purpose. A deliberate purpose. Like have a deliberate purpose with your life. Start with the end in mind and work towards that end. To patient endurance, add godliness, which literally means respect. So respect towards God and respect towards others. And can I just say as pastor of this house that I think respect is the biggest gap in our culture. I'm not talking about out there. I'm talking about in here. Can we just talk about in here? Like just respect, not just younger people for older people, but also older people for younger people. Oh, that'll preach, huh? Like it's not just up and down, it's also side, but just respect across the board. Because when you have respect towards God, you then look into the eyes of a millennial and you don't come up with all these judgmental statements towards the millennials because I found the problem in the millennial generation started in the previous generation. I'll go back to preaching, Claude. Uh, godliness actually means respect. When you get deep into the definition of that word, it means piety towards God, respect towards God. Then it says, add to godliness mercy. And every translation that you read there says, especially mercy towards your brothers and sisters. It's like, uh-oh, we did a bit of a survey in my staff and uh, I kind of asked the question along the lines of, hey, guys, I, we all know with mercy, we easily shout out mercy to people that don't know God. But how many people in here, in our staff, would uh, struggle giving mercy to a brother and sister who knows better? And it went really quiet. And I said, how do you think you're going to go in the next few weeks just working on that one thing of giving mercy to the brother and sister that knows better? It's why the Bible says, add to your faith this mercy 
especially towards brothers and sisters. Tough gig, huh? Feeling like I'm getting a protein shake for my faith today. And then finally it says, add unending love, which is benevolence towards others. Let's just read the end of the Scripture before we look at a few things. Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. I love that. That Even if you sit there today, you know what, you say, Claude, I just don't possess that mercy thing you talked about. Well, actually, the Bible says you've got to, with an abundant supply on the inside of you when you came to Christ. It's in there. You just got to activate it. You just got to draw upon it. You just got to do that thing that you thought you could not do. You remember when you went to do that exercise regime and the trainer said that you're going to do this plank for 30 seconds and you thought, there's no way I can hold this for nine seconds, let line 30. And then he just stretched you each time a little bit. Some of you going, what on earth are you talking about? But you know that thing you thought you couldn't do, but then when you committed to it, you tried over and over, you just found on the inside you had an abundant supply to do the thing that you needed to do. That's what God says about these supplements that have been deposited into you. Verse 9, but if anyone lacks these things, so if you say, I lack these things, it says, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence. For his past sins have been washed away. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. How good is that? Let me pray before we finish the rest of this message. Father, I thank you today that our minds are open, our hearts are receptive. We are ready to receive your word that can transform our lives. We're not going to be hearers only, God, but we're going to be doers of your word. In Jesus' Name, Amen. I thought today I'd just talk to you about one of the key supplements called self-control. And uh, it came at a, a time when I was studying the Bible for myself early in my discipleship journey. And I came to this portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. I'll read it to you and then I just want to make some comments. It says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. When I read that, I stopped and went, what? God's going to get rid of food and my stomach? That doesn't sound like good news to me. So I read on. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies and God will raise us from the dead by His power just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realise that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? And so it just caused me from that point to go off into a study and I discovered that that statement was made concerning us in our glorified state that when we die and go to heaven and get a new body, we get a body without a stomach. Someone said, dude, I thought you were bringing good news today. You're just like confirming this? There's no stomach? Yeah, no food, no stomach. At the time, 
the church, which happens to be this church that I was attending as a member, was leading, the pastor was leading us all into a time of fasting. And when I read this script, well, when the pastor said it on that morning, I thought, you've got to be joking, dude. What would you know, you pen pusher? Because I was a tradie working 10, 12 hours a day on a sandblast nozzle, sweating it out, working hard. I'm thinking, what would you know, you pen pusher? No way I'm doing that. You're off your rocker. Which would have been pretty close to how I spoke in those times. And so I just left it, went home. The problem was I'd started to do devotions every morning and then I got to this portion of Scripture and now God is challenging me to fast food for three days straight with water and fluids only. And I'm thinking, no way. You know why I thought no way? I thought it was impossible. When, when God first challenged me, I was working physically demanding jobs, 65 hours a week. I thought there's no way I can fast. I had to write this down just to get it clear. At that stage of life, I'd leave work for work at 5.30am and be at work 20 minutes later. On the drive in, I would eat my lunch that my wife had prepared for me for the day ahead. So before six o'clock, lunch is gone. By 9am, I'd be dripping in sweat from the vigorous work of abrasive blasting inside steel tanks. At 9am, the chuck truck would arrive or the food van, we call it chuck truck, would arrive. And I'd go along to the chuck truck and I'd get my 600ml iced coffee, my burger and a Swiss roll and I'd inhale it in the next 15 minutes before smoke was over go back to work for another three hours, 12 o'clock would show up and another two and a half hours of wrestling a sandblasting nozzle, I'd go back to the chuck truck for some more food and wash it down with 1.25 litres of Coke. Sounds normal if you're a tradie. The rest of the day's work would be completed on the bulk carb, sugar and fat that I'd consumed in the first half of the day. By the time I'd arrive home just before six, I would head straight for the fridge or pantry and inhale what was ever in sight before dinner, before we'd go again. And now God says, three days, buddy, no food, just water and liquid. I'm going, you've got to be crazy. And so what I started doing after I accepted the challenge from God is on Monday morning for the first week, I just made sure I didn't eat my lunch on the way into work. I held off eating my lunch until 9am. Cool, gold star for Claude. And I was, by, by the time I'd done that, I was like, <coughs> could almost eat the sandblasting nozzle that I was holding. Repeated that the next week, but did it for two days. On the third week, for three mornings in a row, like three gold stars now, wouldn't eat until nine o'clock. And when I did, didn't go to the chuck truck, I went to the prepared lunch. Repeated that over and over again until I got to the point where I was working 10 hours a day, sweating it out, drinking only water, bucket loads of coffee and juice for three days. You say, that's all good, Claude. What are you trying to hint at? I'm not trying to hint at anything. Here's the deal. That's what God had to do with me so that I could realise that self-control had actually been locked on the inside of me in abundant supply and all I had 
to do was draw from it, add that supplement to my faith and it took me to a whole new level in God. I discovered that developing self-control in one area of life would affect every other area of life. I discovered that self-control reshapes your daily disciplines. It shifted everything. I discovered now that I wasn't farming on so much food or grazing on so much food that I hold a whole bunch more time to do other things that were actually more productive. I discovered that moral excellence is actually a close friend of self-control. I discovered developing this ability to say no to food just simply for the purpose of mastering my own appetite that all of a sudden it was easier for me to hold the tongue when I wanted to blurt out a whole bunch of things. All of a sudden, my wife wasn't ticking me off so much because God done a miracle in her life and made her an angel. No, she didn't change at all. She probably didn't need the changing, but I definitely did. You know what I'm saying? That moral excellence is a really close friend of self-control. I discovered that self-control created a rhythm of godliness in my daily life. I discovered that self-control can actually be a hinge to every other faith supplement that you'll add to your life. Can I encourage you? You'll become stronger in every area of your life when you develop more self-control. See, I told you you weren't going to be inspired today, but challenged. You'll sleep earlier, you'll eat less, you'll desire more of the things of God and you will set yourself on fire. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says that we shouldn't forget forget the gifts that have been placed in us when elders and pastors lay their hands on us. Paul said to Timothy that to fan into flames the gifts that you've been given. It's one of the great skills that you can learn as a follower of Christ that you can set yourself on fire. And whether you pick as your challenge, self-control or moral excellence or goodness or just that mercy towards a brother or sister, when you develop one, it seems that it unlocks the power of others also. Coming into land as the team comes to join me, James chapter 1 and verse 21 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the Word of God that has been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. I have this last thought. What is God challenging you to fast in this new season? Because I believe we've come into a brand new season. What is God calling you to fast? I think, I believe, I challenge you. I think at this time, God is challenging all of us to live a life fasted in some area. It could be food, it could be drink, it could be social media, it could be Google. How would you live without Google? It could be TV, it could be chocolate. could be anything that God speaks to you. I can remember God speaking to one of our members almost 20 years ago about giving up chocolate. And when that word came, 
it it stirred up all kinds of emotion and they weren't positive ones in the individual. A few weeks down the track, she accepted the challenge and gave that up and it completely revolutionised her walk with God. Recently, one of my guys talked to me about the fact that they'd come off social media for a set amount of time just to get space and clear-headedness so they could pursue the things of God. They went back on after the deadline and said they found themselves on there for 30 seconds before they went, nah, not doing this, and deleted it so that could continue to be in that space of spiritual growth. What is God going to speak to you about? I don't think it always has to be food, but it could be food. I know that as you commit to it, God will take it and use it to bring you into a brand new season of power. Investigate, meditate. Revelation will come. Application should be the result. And when application becomes culture, transformation is the result. We want to live transformed lives, but let's not leave it up to our pastors and spiritual fathers. Let's not leave it to our connect group leader or somebody's post or our favourite preacher. Let's take hold of it ourselves. Would you agree? And let's go into this new season stronger than ever before. I believe your very best is ahead of you. And if you want to unlock the full potential of all you are, all you're called to be in God and all you're called to have, I think we should all take up the challenge. How about you? Can I pray for you right now? Father, I want to thank You that Your Word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Thank You that it is a two-edged sword. One side of the sword is for the enemy and the other side is for us. We want to thank You, God, that Your Word is strong and powerful. Thank You that it empowers us to live our best life. In Jesus' Name. Amen. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.